of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Thank you for joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast exclusively talking comic book-based animation. Welcome, everyone, to episode 71. Before we get into it, I'm going to explain the rules briefly. I explain these a lot, so they should be familiar by now. Rule number one, comic book animation. That's what we're talking about. Rule number two, big fan of the old team-up books, Marvel Team-Up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold, Marvel 2 and one So this is a team-up podcast every week, me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Third, and most importantly, we got to have fun. Welcome again, like I said, to episode 71. We're going to bring out my guest before we get into it. He's a frequent contributor to the show. He's the Green Lantern expert of the multiverse. Let's bring out Dave Walker. Hey, how's everybody doing today? Thanks for having me on again. I love being here. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Hey, you know when I'm on, it's kind of like if when I'm on was an issue of Brave and the Bold or DC Comics Presents, it'd be an instant sellout. You wouldn't even be able to find it on the regs anymore. All right. And uh, this week, we're going to bring on something kind of near and dear to your heart. We're going to be talking one of the originals. We're going to be talking... Flash Gordon. Oh, Flash Gordon's awesome. I love Flash Gordon. I'm so glad I got to be able to do this episode with you. I didn't know that it would happen, but I, Flash Gordon's easily, a, he's one of my top 10 fictional heroes. All right, well, uh, top be- five, actually. Top five are top five. fictional heroes. Fictional okay. heroes. Not just like, you know, I've got my comic books that I that I like and certain things that I like more, but fictional heroes, I would put Green Lantern, Hal Jordan is number one, Luke Skywalker's number two. Indiana Jones is number three, and then I would put Flash Gordon and James Bond. That's my top five. Wow, all right. This week, we're going to discuss something that you are a huge fan of, and I am more of a casual fan in the sense of Flash Gordon. Liked him, enjoyed most of his stuff, but never was a hardcore follower of Flash Gordon. I'm pretty hardcore with Flash Gordon. I don't want to make the claim of being an expert, because there are there are people out there, there are fans that are older than me and a little more knowledgeable than me, but I am, I'm pretty close to being an expert, but um, I may have to go with casual fan, enthusiastic, casual fan. Well, we're going to throw out the usual disclaimer. Uh, we're not necessarily experts, two guys talking comic books. Before we get into the Flash Gordon animation, let's get into a little bit of the history of Flash Gordon. It is long and illustrious. One All of the- right. Let's do it. You got like two hours, right? <laughs> Because we got to cover a lot, baby. We got to cover like uh, 80 plus years of history right here. You promised me. One of the oldest popular American fictional characters of all time. We're going to go back to Flash Gordon, originally a comic strip created back in 1934 by one Alex Raymond for King Features Syndicates. Yeah, when they started the uh, the strip, they wanted something to compete with Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers was all the rage, and uh, King Features was like, "We need something like that." And all the uh, they had a competition from all the uh, in-house artists to come up with their own strips, and 
Alex Raymond actually won that. Now, um, I didn't know this until doing my research, but until literally getting ready for this episode, I always thought Buck Rogers was a ripoff of Flash Gordon. Not, no, 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 it's the I, other way around. It's the other way around. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like, you know, we've had conversations about this with like challengers of the unknown and the Fantastic Four. But that theme of like, you know, what begat what, like Adam Strange was, you know, inspired by Flash Gordon and Flash Gordon was inspired by Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers also owes its existence to John Carter of Mars. We're going to get to that in a minute. Uh, yeah. 1929, Buck Rogers uh, debuted. Maybe it's because Buck Rogers in American pulp culture past that era never really had the fame, the long lasting fame that Flash Gordon did of, of multiple comic series, cartoons, live action movies. So maybe that's uh, why I always thought I, Buck I, Rogers was a ripoff, but I'm uh, humbled to say that uh, even I learned something realizing it's the other way around. There's a lot of connections with Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon as time goes on, um, including even like Buster Crab played both Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Um, I, I think it was that the Flash Gordon was just a better fleshed out concept. Buck Rogers is pretty cool. I, mean, I love that kind of character, man of two worlds type of deal. But I, I think that Flash Gordon was just a little better packaged and turned into a really good success. Not to take anything away from Buck Rogers. That was pretty cool, too. But like you had said, yeah, originally, before Flash Gordon had come around, uh, they had wanted, they tried to get the rights for John Carter, Warlord of Mars, and could, were unable to do so. So then they decided they wanted to create a character, which would pretty much you know take the popularity that Buck Rogers had already, for a couple of years, had succeeded. You can't say it didn't work out for King Features. No, it did not. Flash Gordon, actually, in my mind, is way more part of our American uh, lexicon than Buck Rogers ever was. Yeah. In fact, past the 70s, I don't even know if there's been anything Buck Rogers related since that live action movie they did in the 70s. I don't even know if they've done anything. They did the TV show. And there's been some comic books yeah. that they brought them back in comic books, but it's it's kind of a dead franchise now, unfortunately, which is too bad for Buck Rogers. It's, you know, I can't poo-poo on that franchise either. They said this, and I don't know if they said it to avoid a lawsuit or whatnot, but they also said that uh, Alex Raymond was inspired by the 1933 novel when worlds collide written by uh philip wiley and uh, a lot of the plot points of that book are very similar to flash Gordon. yes that's that's true there are a lot of similarities there i think he did take from a few a few other sources but i think they definitely wanted to stay out of legal trouble with buck rogers after that um they went in the comic strip in 1934 they teamed him up with a uh, ghost writer uh dan moore yes who i don't know if like I said, I'm uh, I'm a casual Flash Gordon fan, so I don't know over the years how much credit Dan Moore has actually gotten uh, for his contribution. Later to Flash on, he got more credit. So he's he's credited in all of the reprints, or uh, like Kitchen Sink and some of these other books that have um, reprinted the Flash Gordon strips over the years. Um, they've been reprinted several times. Um, he worked with him, and it was like a ten year run that they did together, which you probably already know. But other people came on later. But you know, he basically did the art and had the the writer with him. Gorgeous and art. Have you ever, I mean, have you ever really sat and looked at? I haven't read them exclusively, but I have read a bunch of the old strips. It's gorgeous. Even by today's standards, his art holds up. It's just beautiful. They did a daily strip after, but he didn't do, Raymond, I mean, didn't do the daily strip. Other guys did that. And that came and went. And uh, he did the strip until the war, you know, he, until he joined the war. And uh, it was pretty much an instant overnight sensation. Uh, Many uh, things came out of it. The comic strip, 
the regular Daily Strip ran all the way from 1934 until 1992. Yes, it did. And they continued the Sunday Strip all the way to 2003. And and amazingly, on the the Sunday Strip, there were only, until like 1990, there were only four writers. There were only four artists that were on that book. I didn't follow all all of those because it went into different eras of Flash Gordon that I'm not particularly a fan on. I, I'm really just a fan of the the original tenure run that Alex Raymond did, but there were only four guys that covered that from 1934 until 1990, and then from 1990 till the 2000s, there was like a bunch of different guys. What I got to be one of the longest running newspaper strips of all time. Um, I mean, he was so popular that uh, both the creators of Batman, Superman, and the Golden Age Hawkman have all credited some of their designs, either heavily influenced or borrowed from Flash Gordon. That's true. Then the uh, really what cemented him is when the serial, the movie serials came out. Yes, my that's boy, what Buster Crab baby. <laughs> that's what made him really popular. For any of you younger viewers who don't know, uh, back long, long time ago, when movies came out, there'd be a newsreel, there'd be a cartoon, and they would do movie serials where it was essentially a TV show. You saw an episode before the movie, and then that got people to come back because they'd always end on a ridiculous cliffhanger where they died in the cliffhanger, but then when you came back to like, oh no, they didn't blow up. You just didn't see them get out of the car. you flash back the 30 seconds before to find out how they actually escaped. They grabbed a branch on the way down from that cliff. Like you said, yeah, starring Buster Crab, which is, I can't decide if it's the greatest name of all time or just the stupidest. No. No, it isn't. I know uh, back then it was ve- it was way more in was, vogue to have he was stage a, names. He was an Olympic athlete. He was a uh, swimmer. Uh, he was on the swim team. After his uh, acting career wound down, he found a second career selling swimming pools. So back in the 60s and 70s, you could actually buy a Buster Crab swimming pool for your home. And he was the spokesman for it. He and did uh, that for years. Wasn't he not really blonde? Wasn't it like no, a yeah, wig? He, or- no, he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't blonde. That was his hair, but they dyed his hair blonde for the role. And in 1936, 1938, 1940, he starred in a uh, Flash Gordon serial. And then I believe 1940, they did a full length Flash Gordon uh, movie. Well, it was condensed. It was, no, it was the three serials, like you were saying, but they've um, repackaged those three serials into little movies since then. And uh, over the years, he's just been, he's at the comic strip, he's had multiple serials, films, comic books. Different, uh, obviously, there's the different cartoons. There was the, the 1980 live action film. There was, a, I believe, the Sci Fi Channel did a live action. Uh, one season. <laughs> yeah. I have that actor's autograph on an 8x10 in my collection. But yeah, it's not very good. Uh, there was a uh, 90s cartoon as well. So he's been very popular for quite some time. And uh, I, I don't know if it's a little known fact. Uh, it's been the moderate, the waters have been muddied, but. Flash Gordon is directly responsible, as far as I'm concerned, for Star Wars. Uh, there would be no Star Wars without Flash Gordon. Despite some of the other reasonings revisionist people have tried to give for the Star Wars movie, George Lucas wanted to make a Flash Gordon movie. He tried to get the rights, was unable to do that, so then he decided to do his own science fiction universe, which was highly influenced by those serials in the early 30s and 40s. Yes, absolutely it was. There would, yeah, like I said, there would be no Star Wars without flash gordon a lot of people will point to uh, mythology like you know knights of the round table and um the kurosawa films and lucas did draw from a lot of different sources but 
you look at flash i mean the the star wars movies are set up like a serial you have the intro with the the opening crawl you know the, the even the attack of the clones yeah the titles are even inspired by the flash gordon serials uh flash gordon becomes luke skywalker han solo becomes prince baron thun becomes chewbacca darth vader you know is obviously ming the merciless so it's it's right there um it was a, almost like a and, and it worked out great obviously for the world because star wars took off but yeah, I mean, a lot of people have tried to attach all these uh, political messaging to A New Hope and all that, which there's some in there, but let's face facts. It's, it's, he wanted to make a fun adventure serial. He wanted to make Flash Gordon. He couldn't, so he did his own version. Yeah, war is bad and, and uh, evil empires are bad is kind of a broad statement. <laughs> like, come on, people, let's not toot our own horns too much here. So today we are going to 1979 for the cartoon flash gordon sometimes known as the new adventures of flash gordon yes this cartoon uh is from filmation studios like i said uh we're going to september 22nd 1979 the original air date for a planet in peril now ironically this cartoon existed because star wars which borrowed from flash gordon became super successful and science fiction became a commodity again so filmation got the go ahead to do a flash gordon cartoon so it's the like old... star trek the motion picture <laughs> yeah. you know like you know star wars gets put out and then star trek becomes hot again because of star wars and it's almost like the john kyle reese's john connor's father going back like you know flash gordon pretty much created because of Flash Gordon's success, created something that created Flash Gordon to be popular. You, know, you think about how many cool projects that came out when we were kids were directly responsible because of um, Star Wars. Battlestar Galactica came out, and then we had the Star Trek franchise got revived. Yeah, Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle Beyond the Stars. Um, what's last that? Starfighter. Yeah, last, oh, last Starfighter. That's a great the Black name. Hole wouldn't have happened. Black Hole. Uh, it goes on and on. Flash Gordon was one of them. I'd say V would never have happened without a yeah. Star Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have got the Flash Gordon movie. Moonraker. Oh, yeah, Moonraker. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I feel how I feel about that one. <laughs> so Filmation, who you should know, they did a lot of the licensed cartoons. They did the DC characters in the late 60s. They did the Gilligan's Island cartoon. They did some of the Scooby-Doo films. They would later go on to do He-Man. They did the real Ghostbusters. That, that great Star Trek. Yeah, the Star Trek did. cartoon. An underrated gem. Yes, yes, it, it is actually pretty good. So it was uh, Filmation and King Features Syndicate that uh, produced this. Now, originally it was designed, NBC aired it. They originally had ordered it to be a, uh, an animated television movie. Yes. But it was so well received, uh, they decided instead we're going to change it into an ongoing cartoon. Yeah, they filmed, so they made this movie and they liked it so much. They're like, this is, this is pretty good. So they didn't put it out. They're like, and let's hold off. They didn't air it initially. And they chopped it up and then they, they said, we want a whole show out of this. So they dragged it out and they did like the 16 chapters to the season and uh, stretched out the story and kept the animators working. So they shelved that original movie. So when you watch the show as it aired, it starts off a little clunky because the heroes are just in the middle of the story already. The story gets going. Spoiler. And yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you've ever seen it, I'm not going to get into real spoilers, but the movie itself sat. My, my point was <laughs> the movie itself sat on the shelf for a couple of years and then they finally did air it. NBC did. And that's a really hard one to find. It's um, to find the actual movie. It's been put out on VHS in Japan and uh, one of the European countries. I put it out on VHS at some point, but you can't just go buy that 
the original movie the way it originally came out. So they turned it like serial style, the cartoon. So it was like one big adventure that always continued into the next episode. Which was perfect because it kept in tone with the original series. Uh, which didn't last once the first season completed. NBC wanted a more kid-friendly cartoon. So they got uh, rid of the serial and added a, gremlin. a, a, gremlin, a sidekick. Your favorite. Yes. You love that. I love goofy sidekicks. <laughs> added Gremlin. It's got Matt Spectro written all over it. Gremlin. Which pretty much ended up crashing the show now i first saw the show in reruns very young age i can't remember if i saw the movie the live action the the sam jones movie first or i saw the cartoon i didn't see it when it originally aired i saw reruns at a very young age i uh, liked it a lot i had some of the toys my favorite was the spaceship that was a blimp inflatable it was inflatable blimp and you put the the cockpit on top of the blimp and your figures fit that into thing the, if you have the inflatable blimp with the box goes for over 500 dollars now well, unfortunately i did not keep it <laughs> no i didn't have that i i never had that never even saw it in person i have every one they made eight figures and i have all eight of them and uh they made a uh the inflatable ship and then they did another little car carrier for ming that was basically part of the inflatable blimp anyway that they just recolored and repackaged lovely little toy line too just missing a few figures they didn't do dale and they didn't do princess aura because female figures didn't sell to boys back in the day which is odd because the buck rogers figures did do the princess yeah that came out very similar to that time frame. which made sense to do you know the the male the female lead you I mean, they did princess leia figures yeah. they only did five of them but they did them so like i said we're going back september 26 1979 a planet in peril Written by uh, Samuel Peebles, who had written the the animated film, who then you know helped to work his film into a series of episodes. Uh, for the life of me, I could not find who directed this episode. It, I it's not listed in the credits of the episode. I, I, I looked know. on multiple sources on the internet, and nothing will credit who directed it, this. It, maybe they took the directing credit out because the beginning of the show is so chopped up from the original movie. That there's pieces of it. Could be. <laughs> we're gonna, I, that I don't know. We're going to get into the voice acting. Uh, the narrator is Lou Scheimer. Lou Scheimer, who is was the head of Filmation, who was a legend in the anime, no longer with us, unfortunately, but a legend, was behind the creation of uh, so many things. Flash Gordon himself is uh, voiced by the uh, late Robert Wrigley. If you're a fan of animation, especially from the 60s to the 90s, he was very prominent. He did voices on the Tarzan cartoon. I believe he was the voice of Thundar the Barbarian. Yeah, you know his voice when you hear it. He was also Peculiar Purple Pie Man on Strawberry Shortcake. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> it was, was he a heel? Yeah, he was yeah, a bad guy. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I that's, think he was anyway. I, uh, you you got to be with a name like that. He also does the voice of Prince Baron on this as well. Prince Baron. <laughs> uh, so Dale, the uh, the love interest, our main character. Yeah, Diane Pershing had uh, done a, a voice. She did a lot of voice acting, but most prominent, she was actually Poison Ivy on the original Batman, the animated series. Really? Hmm. Now, uh, both Ming and Zarkov are both uh, voiced by the great Alan Oppenheimer. Oh, what a voice. That guy's so awesome. If you don't know him, he, again, a prominent voice actor from the 60s. And television and movie actor as well, but he did so many voices. Obviously, his most famous role was Skeletor, Skeletor on the Masters of the Universe. He did voices on Plastic Man, Thunder, Scooby-Doo. Most recently, he came back into the voice of Moss Man on the Masters of the Universe Revelation. But not Skeletor. Not Skeletor, <laughs> but no. But Moss Man. 
which is a little that ought to tell you <laughs> a little uh a little bit about that movie oh uh Lou Scheimer also he's not on this episode but he did the voice of gremlin which oh he did oh. shouldn't surprise anyone because i believe he's the voice of uh orca as well yeah orco orco <laughs> I always get orca, orca. <laughs> and King Volton, who does not show up on this, but Thun the Lion Man is voiced by the same actor, Alan Melvin, the late Alan Melvin. Unfortunately, he's done a lot of uh, character acting on television shows, but he was also the voice of McGilla Gorilla. Really? Hmm. You would know him if you saw him, but uh, he might have played Sam the Butcher on the Brady Bunch. I'm not sure if that's the same character. Oh, okay. Uh, now, Sam the Butcher is pretty awesome. <laughs> And finally, Princess Zora. He was going to get Alice. <laughs> yeah, he certainly was. Princess Zora was voiced by uh, a Melody, Melody Britt. She had done a lot of voices. She ended up doing She-Ra when Filmation did the She-Ra cartoon. Which is funny because Princess Zora is like a dead ringer for She-Ra. <laughs> she was also the voice of Penny, the love interest on the Plastic Man cartoon. Ooh. If anybody remembers, which uh, I have I not done mean. an episode yet, but I will be doing an episode uh, on the Plastic Man cartoon. I haven't Man seen cartoon. that in years. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, we're getting into Flash Gordon, A Planet in Peril. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Join us for the fantastic adventures of Flash Gordon. Flash uses football to fight his enemy, Ming the Merciless. Stridus, are your men on the right vitamins? Flash's strategy proved successful. Will he survive? Find out December 5th at a theater near you. Music by Queen. Rated PG. To bring you this urgent call to action. Mayhem is broken out of the ghastly domain of Ming the Merciless. Soldiers are urgently needed. Join me, Flash Gordon, and Team Flash as we mow down evil with Rebel Air Bikes. Rock the universe in the Trivivian. And space surf on our air sleds. Join Team Flash today. Otherwise, we'll return you to your regular. This is now war. Nice moves. The series starts with an android comes through a rift in space and it's carrying his father's driver's license who went missing 13 years ago. Remain still and you will receive no pain. He did not remain still. A lot of people will like watching the show because it does have the comedy in it. We just stop. We've got a beautiful mix of, like I say, relationship and then this really neat fantasy sci-fi world. So we get a blend of all sorts of exciting adventures. I want to see her. You're hardly in a position to make demands. But I do like your spirit. The catalyst of the series is, is Flash Gordon in search of his father on this other planet, Mongo. You will die with honor. Nobody has to die today, all right? Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. off on a desperate mission to save Earth from the evil plottings of the tyrannical space lord Ming the Merciless. <laughs> Dr. Hans Zarkov and Dale Arden have joined me, Flash Gordon, on a fantastic journey 
into worlds where peril and adventure await us. And we are back. We just watched Flash Gordon, A Planet in Peril. I don't know about you. I, I knew it wasn't coming, but I was still kind of sad that the intro wasn't Flash! Savior of the universe! <laughs> Like, you, you you want that now with almost any Flash Gordon project. Like, if they ever do another Flash Gordon movie, how are they going to go forward without that song? Like, Queen is, is like, totally tied to Flash Gordon forever now. But we do get an intro with, uh, this is weird because it's kind of a, you know, musical intro with clips, but also kind of setting the stage for the story with Ming. They throw in Ming's heel laugh during the, uh, the intro. Right. But this, the narration is done by Flash Gordon. Not the actual narrator. narrator. He narrates this part, but the narrator narrates the rest of the show. It's very odd the way they start, but you know it is what it is. And it's kind of weird because they there's no real explanation in this or the episode. Spoiler that how they got from Earth to here, why they're here. It's just that they're there to stop this collision course yeah. of of Mongo and Earth. I mean, literally, they stop. And it's in medias race, like in the middle of the story. That you know the ship is arriving. They just they explain in the beginning scene that they're uh, trying to prevent a collision course collision course of Mongo and Earth, but they get shot down and crash land on in an ocean or a lake on a planet. Was it just me or was this the longest crash in history? Like it, it took so long for this ship well, to crash. It wouldn't have seemed so long if you'd actually if they'd had the whole movie together where you get, you know, Han Zarkov, you know, kidnapping, yeah. you know, Flash and which spoiler alert, you can't really spoil something that you can't find online, but in the actual movie, Hans actually convinces them to get on the ship. He doesn't have to he he tries to kidnap them, but then they're pretty much like, Yeah, saving Earth sounds like a good idea. They get in the ship, they take off. So they cut all of that out just to get the story going, which, yeah, whatever. It's a kid's show, so they got it moving. And the ship is the the old blimp toy that's pretty much the exact same design. Yeah. Now that well, I the watch. costumes are dead on. Because I haven't watched this in like literally over maybe 30 years. I, I, I was a very small shot the last time I actually watched yeah, this. Yeah, this so. came out in 79, so it's a year before the movie. Um, the movie was moving forward, obviously, but they had the Mattel toy line was marketed to go with this cartoon. So the figure designs are totally faithful to the animation that Filmation did. And um, they get kind of saved by these fishmen, but they're kind of prisoners. They're in a big bubble with Prince Baron and Thun. Thun is basically, he's exactly what he is, a half man, half lion. Yes. And Prince Baron is a cross between Robin Hood and, and Oliver Queen, but instead of blonde, <laughs> he's got a little pencil black mustache. And, and he's bald in the, yes. in the animated show. <laughs> A lot of bickering between Thun and uh, Prince Baron. They, they don't like each other. Thun is already Flash Gordon's best friend. He's super loyal to Flash Gordon. He's got the shackles. So he's got the broken shackles on his wrists, and he's super loyal to Flash Gordon. We have no idea why, but they're already best friends. It's going to take... I, I don't think we're quite there yet with Prince Baron, though. They find out the Gilmen are actually working for Ming. That's where they're taking them all. Thun gives a little bit of a backstory about how Mongo is uh, enslaved the universe, and uh, says if it wasn't for Ming, Baron would be the Emperor of Mongo, mm. which he says uh, is no improvement if you ask him. <laughs> which Baron quickly says, no one's asking you. So of all the little tribes on Mongo and their moons, you know, Prince Baron in the hierarchy of all those other little realms, Prince Baron is the highest one. So yeah, but he's next in line to any throne if they can usurp Ming. We quickly established that all the individual tribes are all quarreling. All don't like Ming, but are quarreling with each other. So even the common enemy is not uniting them, which Flash makes that observation. Which is pretty faithful to the comic strip. 
Um, and the cereals. They find out that the fishmen are going to transport them over to Mongo and kind of poke them with this kind of like electronic, like fishing rod type thing, which uh, Flash says, uh, hey, codface, easy does it, which I don't care. Maybe by today's standards, people wouldn't agree. But to me, Flash is like the quintessential hero. Like he's confident. He doesn't take shit. He, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's dashing. He, he's he's <laughs> approaching Mary Sue levels. He's he's a good guy in everything. He he turns down all the broads that throw themselves <laughs> at him, and he, he's true to Dale all the time, and true to his friends. Uh, but, you know, when you're a kid, he's what you aspire to be. When I was a kid, I loved Flash Gordon. I wanted well, to be him. And right? not to sound cynical, I, I don't even know if they would do a character like Flash Gordon no, in today's no, environment. No, no, they wouldn't. Um, they would start it off, and Flash Gordon would be a drunk and, you know, and an abuser, and... And Dale Arden would have to put him in his place constantly on the show. Now, in the original strip, he went to Yale University and he was a polo player. They've changed that multiple times over the year. Is yeah. he still that in this version? Because that's... Uh, they we- don't even address it okay. in this version. They don't even tell you what he did beforehand in, in this. He's off, you know, because he's off to see his father. Because, like, in the movie, he was obviously Flash Gordon, quarterback, New quarterback, York Jets. New York Jets. I believe in the DC Comics in basketball the 80s. Player. He was a basketball the player. La- was it the Lakers, maybe? I, I thought it was the Lakers or the Celtics. I couldn't remember. It had to be one of them because those were the it teams the when the comic teams, came out. The, yeah, and I know the nineties terrible cartoon. He was a professional skateboarder. If I'm oh, not mistaken. Yes, yes, the horrible nineties animated movie where he's a teenager, no less. So um, they all kind of band together to escape from the fishman. They steal a ship. Prince Baron tries to leave everyone behind. The guy, he totally ditches them. Like they get in the, the spaceship and Flash Gordon is actually chasing the rocket sled <laughs> as it's going off the platform and he's running behind it like rerun from what's happening now. <laughs> you notice the thread. There's a lot of running on this cartoon. Yes. That, that does and happen they a lot. love to re filmation. Uh, they love to reuse animation. They were like Hanna-Barbera. You know, they were, if they could save a buck, they would do it. And running was one of them. There's a bunch of poses that Flash Gordon does. And like a taunt, like when the rock says, you know, bring it with his fingers. <laughs> Flash Gordon does that and they reuse it constantly, that that footage. Which is weird because uh, I said that uh, when I was watching, I was like, sometimes I was like, man, this animation's really solid. This is really good. But at the same time, there's like a bunch of shots that are obviously yeah, reused footage. Yeah. And, it, and you're right. Yeah, it's both. It's. Hey, we got some good footage here. <laughs> Let's get some use yeah. out of it. <laughs> they do escape. It is good. It is good animation. All though. of them escape in the ship, though, despite Baron trying it, to leave them behind. Best efforts behind. to leave them behind. <laughs> Zarkov says that uh, by his estimations, Mongo is going to collide with Earth in about a week, which this is the first. Zarkov, just me, just doesn't talk. He almost just takes up space in this cartoon. Like he has yeah. very little dialogue and he's very non-sequential to the he, plot. He has more to do later on as the show progresses, but yeah, there wasn't a lot. For, they had to set up all the characters and Flash was getting the limelight. But Zarkov is, you know, pretty much like the comic strip. Yeah, I agree. Um they fly off the tracks, leave the thing completely, go into a giant swamp out of the frying pan and into yeah, the fire. Cuz Baron does actually leave him behind at yeah, this point. He does get his chance to do that. Uh, Flash starts uh, rowing. You hear a lot of noises like they're being tracked, which uh, Thun explains that it's Princess Aura and her warrior women who are hunting them. She's second only to Baron, to the Baron when it comes to hunting on Mongo. I don't know how they could break glass ceilings like that because they weren't broken until 2022. (laughs) I'm kind of surprised. I didn't think that would ever happen. But here we are with this warrior princess who's leading a tribe of tough women to take down these... uh, these invaders and uh 
We get a shot of her with her warrior woman. They're riding like blue alien ostriches. They say the people they're tracking to get away, all the women will pay. Prince Aura, in every version I've ever seen, is smoking hot. Smoking hot. So much hotter than Dale. So much hotter than Princess Aura is one of my favorite fictional chicks anyway. I mean, she's great in the comic strip. The chick that played her in the serials is really good too. She's pretty hot. And then um, obviously, you know, her favorite was the 1980. Yeah, the 1980s. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> lord. Oh, and, and the and the thing, and I'm not even gonna get on a rant about the 1980 movie. That's another thing. But <laughs> like the Princess Aura, the actress, the Italian chick that played Princess Aura is so hot in that movie, you don't even notice how beautiful the woman is that plays Dale Arden. And the woman that played Dale Arden, she's gorgeous. But you, when she walks in the room, you forget all about her. So we don't get. And it's the same with the animation. <laughs> Actually, the animation, um, Princess Aura is very well animated. I mean, they yeah. obviously the guys were fans behind the scenes. I don't know if you know that, but the the guys that actually worked on the show were huge Flash Gordon fans. Well, plus you can definitely see early Tila designs in Princess Aura. In She's Princess. very similar to the designs for Tila. Yes, the with her, yeah, not just her outfit, but her hair and her form and her body language. A lot of the, yeah, a lot yeah. of the animation. Just so we don't get criticized there. They're also very talented, capable, intelligent oh, women. That, and then that's of, really the only real reason to like these chicks. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up with that. I'm a huge <laughs> feminist. They uh, try to escape and they end up in the edge of the dire marsh it's not just a marsh it's a <laughs> dire marsh which thun says no one will survive thun pretty pessimistic this entire thing like yeah uh, <laughs> yeah he's a, he's kind of a debbie downer for a wingman <laughs> um but flash says that they're getting hunted so they got nothing to lose so they're gonna go into the marsh anyway and then thun ends up getting caught by a carniva tree which is basically a bunch of vines giant. with just a giant beak that I guess will eat you. Yeah, like one of those um, man-eating plants. Flash tries to help him, which Thun says to just save yourself, but Flash gets caught as well. Then, just at that moment, Aura and her warrior women sweep in, blast the carnivore tree with a laser ring she's wearing, saving them both. They didn't eat no man. They saved the man. They certainly did. Yeah. And uh, Thun calls her the witch warrior. Which says, uh, watch your tongue, lion man, or I'll have it stilled for you. <laughs> she was going to put up with that. I don't blame her. <laughs> now, this is might sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I got to say, for the most part, Dale and or are written very strong on, on this uh, cartoon. They don't take a lot of crap, and they uh, they stand up for stuff. They're not just lying down on the job, despite no, this uh, misconception that 2015 is when uh, women started getting good in yeah. science fiction. Especially Princess Aura. She does a lot on the show, and, and Dale... They use her as a damsel in distress, but they also give Dale things to do in the course of the series. So, yeah, I reject that premise myself. Yeah, I mean, I've always annoys me when they try and pull that because to me, you're taken away from these two: Princess Leia, Sarah I Connor. I like these characters, Ellen we Ripley. Uh, yeah, when we were Tila, so many. Yeah, we all had the action figures of them. You just didn't have a toy box full of action figures of them, but you had to have at least one of them. Or calls Dale a wench. <laughs> I did. It was me. This starts up a long string of Dale Arden having to beat women off of Flash Gordon with a stick. Now, doesn't it was I? Did I hear it wrong? Did Thun call her the Queen of Cats? I think he might have. <laughs> I, I don't. I thought it was a weird insult. Yeah, she said it. Hey, I warmed you and blasted him in the head with her ring. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna learn soon. Which uh, Flash intercepts grabs her has her in like a full nelson type thing and says kind of a i wouldn't call it problematic but a little bit of a weird line where he says uh knock it off your neck is too lovely to ring (laughs) 
if it don't doesn't mean he didn't think about it. We've all been there, fellas. <laughs> it's, it's a, a, but he didn't do it. I, I wouldn't call it. I'd call it more just a little. He's odd. actually got a <laughs> restraining her arm behind her back, like yeah. Roger Moore, you know, would have done back in the day. And James Bond. Uh, they, everything calms down, but then a ship arrives with Ming's robots and Captain Arak. Is that how you pronounce this? Arak. Arak. A R A K. All right. Not to be confused with Arak, Son of Thunder. But, no, uh, but spelled the same. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, comes. They did do uh, an action figure of him. They're going to haul these prisoners to uh, to Ming, which brought out one of my favorite interactions where Aura says that uh, she's going to help bring them in. She wishes wishes to study these three strange creatures. Dale says, she means study you, Flash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Dale's got her number. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, right off the bat, Dale consents. This girl's trying to move in on Flash. Isn't it when Flash makes that little comment to her? He asked her if she's getting jealous. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, yeah, yeah. That's okay. my second favorite. Oh, okay, yeah, We're going to yeah. get to that. Okay. Now, I can't remember. I haven't seen I haven't seen the cartoon in years, let alone the movie. Had they established they were already an item or so like the 1980s movie where they met five minutes before they... It, uh... It's like the 1980s movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's exactly like that. They basically meet, get on the ship, and you know, take it from there. And then uh, when she says that, Flash says, well, it's a fate better than some. <laughs> oh. We just whistling Dixie. <laughs> Flash is thinking, well, at least I'm going to die with a smile on my face. I, get- <laughs> I can't blame him. <laughs> she looks if you, if you look at Princess Aura and Dale, even in the animation, I, I don't know why you would have chose Dale. But uh, and then the next scene, a <laughs> little awkward. They're on the ship. Aura is lying on this pile of hay in this. It, it's like a like a <laughs> uh, a fur um, blanket or something. Yeah, very seductive pose, very drawn, extremely seductive at this point. Like for especially for an animation, yeah, it lingers there yes. too. I think I remember watching a documentary about the animated show where they actually talked about that scene where they when they animated it. Like basically, it was the uh, animators adding their own stuff in. They really <laughs> wanted to do that scene because it's already been kind of established. She's got her eye on flash. So I, I enjoy the scene, but at the same time, I'm not sure it was completely necessary. necessary. <laughs> oh, I think it was totally necessary. Especially something that was aimed for children. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't make her look any hotter in animation that, you know, for G rated, which this led to my favorite interaction great line. of the entire episode. She says, you surprise and please me, Earthman. And Dale says, now there's a designing woman, and her designs are on you, Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if that wasn't great enough, Flash yeah. fires back, you jealous, Dale? <laughs> and Flash clearly enjoying making dale jump poor dale because she stabs back you're darn right i am you're darn right (laughs) so awesome i think flash just likes taunting dale because every episode there is like some princess or queen or monarch of a different realm and they immediately throw themselves at flash because he's so hot and dale has to fight every one of them off and flash is just loving it my theory, I mean, he's handsome, athletic, take charge guy, but yeah. I, my theory is since nobody else, none of the men are standing up to Ming, maybe that's, that Part puts him over the top as so super attractive. Yeah. They, they, none it, of those women it is have certainly seen a, a real man in a long <laughs> yeah. time. The women, you I mean, we only review the one episode, but if you watch this entire show, it, it happens theme. all the time. Yeah. And <laughs> it did in the, in the, um, 
the movie serials too and, in the comics for <laughs> and I, I'm not saying it's problematic but uh, I couldn't imagine a guy in today's environment not like reassuring Dale in fact he's just like you're jealous <laughs> well, in real life guys have to work for the attention of women they don't have it thrown at them like this guy I mean this, uh, this guy is obviously like the Brad Pitt of his era <laughs> so they uh, fly by you get a brief glimpse of Voltan and the Hawkman which I love. He doesn't show up on this episode, but I love Volton. Will come into play later. I love him on the cartoon. I loved him in the movie. And this is actually the movie. I'd say Volton in the movie is the most similar to the version of this Flash Gordon cartoon. Yes. And I, I, I wanted him to show up and just say, "Die!" <laughs> but, what a uh, ham! I would have. I would have also settled for Gordon's alive. <laughs> But uh, they established again that uh, they're quarreling. They don't like Ming any better than them. And they go to Mingo City. Mingo City. Which is, they really like. Uh, not Mongo City. But Ming, Ming, Mingo, Mongo. Yeah. They really like. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're going to be a dictator, you might as well set everything in your own name. Have I got to say that the design and animation of the city and, fantastic. and Ming's throne room. Fantastic. Just uh, so good. Like, there's this great throne, which is awesome, but it has, like, this giant, giant energy, energy wall, wall behind it, which, which Ming, a filmation loves using. Yes, they, <laughs> they love using that shot. And this is, like, almost like a Darth, I mean, you're going to address it in a second here, I'm assuming, but, like, it's like a Darth Vader reveal. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's so good that they reuse it every episode. Yes. <laughs> Ming comes out, classic heel, got the, the black goatee and mustache you get this great strut when he walks Very, through the energy field just snarky and yeah. just really just a jerk and uh it's fantastic a couple of heel laughs get thrown in there as well he does the old ted dibiase <laughs> tilting his head back ha 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 well do with the oppenheimer voice but <laughs> yeah he does do sound a lot like skeletor, skeletor. <laughs> and may explains that the planets aren't going to collide but the near miss is going to cause a catastrophe on Earth, making conquest easy. But it won't destroy Mongo. It won't. It won't have any effect on Mongo for some reason. And so one of the, f and maybe it's been addressed somewhere and I just don't remember where, but like, how does Mongo get from its solar system to Earth without everybody on Mongo dying? Like, there's no sun, so they have no day or night, unless they have like solar, you know, lights around. How are they lit in the daytime? How do they not freeze to death or fly <laughs> off the planet? How do they not lose gravity? You may know the answer. Contact me on social media if you do. I, my assumption is Mongo is a much bigger planet than Earth, and maybe that's why Earth will be affected more than because their gravity maybe is so much stronger. And uh, maybe, maybe I always, I always assumed he had some kind of technology and he like terraforming technology, and which would make them super advanced with that they don't really show in any in incarnation, but. Maybe they addressed it at some point and I've missed it. Um, which, not to sidetrack, but kind of makes you think the idea for Thundar came from this of the near miss, you know, yeah, causing a catastrophe causing a on, Earth. on Earth. Yeah. So uh, Flash says, we're going to stop you somehow, which gets a big laugh out of Ming, of course. <laughs> and then Aura pitches her case, says that Flash Gordon pleases her. Can you give him to me? Which got a great reaction facial reaction from dale like where she like turns her head and she's like <laughs> you know and throws her nose up in the air like <laughs> she's not like aura right now you gotta love how aura doesn't even like address dale to her like dale is like beneath her like yeah. she doesn't even exist like and and to be honest like dale hasn't even really landed flash yet like she hasn't sealed the deal she just met the dude a few minutes ago 
They just got on a ship. They don't know each other. And she's already laid her claws into him. Uh, he says Zarkov is going to work in Ming's scientific laboratory exclusively. Right. Dale is going to join Ming's women. <laughs> so apparently Ming has a harem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be one of his brides. Oh, Ming. Yeah. Ming's all over Dale yeah. in any incarnation. And uh, Flash. is all super faithful. Yeah. It is pretty faithful. Yeah. Uh, Flash, if he, he survives the arena. So him and Thun get thrown into the arena. You can't have a sci-fi show without an arena battle gladiator type scene. I thought they were going to fight each other, but uh, they both are trying to survive this. The training ball, as it's called, which is this giant ball that rolls around, shoots lasers and tries to attack. Yeah, normally you're like pitted against your soon to be best friend. But it's a, a lot of great. A lot of great animation of Flash one point doing a somersault over the ball and a lot of running in this scene a as lot well. Of running, yes. And then the great scene where Flash on his back kicks kicks up the ball oh. and it goes flying out, crashing out, into a car. Out of the arena. Like how much did this ball weigh that he could get on his back and just kick it out of the arena? But well, he's Flash Gordon. Aura tries to uh reach to stop it, which Ming grabs her wrist and prevents her from doing that. Flash is gonna jump out while Dale has had enough. She starts kicking ass with the people restraining her. She like punches one and gives the other one a flip. She's had enough. Yeah. Ming don't need no man. She can she can handle herself. <laughs> so uh, Dale, Thun, and Flash all fall into this giant trap door in the pit. Yes. And uh, it leads down to a giant cave under the city. And there wasn't a rancor down there. No, <laughs> but the big cliffhanger is this, this giant kind of alien dinosaur in there that's going to eat him. And they, which leads to them running. Right. <laughs> and we end Flash Gordon, a planet in peril with our three heroes running on the run, on the run from the giant alien dinosaur. And if that doesn't suck you into episode two, I don't know what will. I got to say this, uh, we're going to get into our official ranking, but this was just great. <laughs> like yeah. I watched the next two episodes after, you know, even though I was watching this for the, for the podcast. But uh, getting prepared, I, I kept watching because I was so intrigued and hooked and I loved what I was seeing. It's so good. I I mean, I'm biased because I love Flash Gordon, but I think the show really still works even by today's standards. The animation's good. The story's good. The serialized format of the old movie serials and the Sunday newspaper strip lends itself to this series. I mean, every episode, you they end on a cliffhanger. You think they're going to die. You come back to the next episode. You find out what happens. They go to a new city. You meet a whole new cast of characters every episode. So, on that note, and we're going right to our spectrometer. Ooh. Spectrometer for anyone new to the show, we rank what we saw. These are probably going to be no surprises what we're going to rank this, but Zero Spectra's being garbage. Four doesn't get any better than this. Dave, what are you going to give? Flash Gordon, a planet in peril. Well, in my unbiased and objective opinion i think i'm going to have to give it my first ever four star rating first ever dave know. is never i don't think ever given a four star to anything uh, on I, I just, his previous uh, appearances on the multiverse yes yeah, so i'm not one to overrate things so yeah but uh, uh this one here i'm gonna go with four man this is such an awesome show i loved it um i am i'm going as unbiased as i can i i want to establish <laughs> disclaimer i loved this cartoon i thought it was great animation was superb loved it loved everything about it I, i'm gonna watch the entire uh, series now i'm only gonna go three and three quarters only flaws some parts animation a little clunky it, for the most part 
I'd say 90% of the animation is great. There's just some scenes where it's obviously re- reused footage and some of the character designs and certain shots, little rushed. And there's the kind of, you get thrown into the plot with really not enough exposition. Yeah. Having said that, I absolutely loved it. If you're a Flash Gordon fan, I can't imagine you wouldn't love it. If you love like just adventure and space movies, great. Three and a half, no, three and three quarters. It's almost perfect. I loved Flash Gordon, A Planet in Peril. What did you think out there? Did you, you couldn't have liked it any better than we did, but you might've liked it less if you did. That's okay. (laughs) We're just two guys talking animation. I want to hear from you. You can go on my social media and let me know what you think. You can find me at Matt Spectre on Twitter. Follow me while you're there. Or you can find me on Matt Spectre through the multiverse on Facebook. Give me a like, follow there and tell me what you thought. Flash Gordon, a planet in peril. Dave, 2022, a kid watches Flash Gordon. What are they going to do? Are they going to like it? I think a young kid's going to enjoy it. I think it, Filmation's animation is dated by today's standards, so it, it tends to be adults that are going to like this more. But I think a younger child, you know, five years old, would find it very stimulating. Yeah, I think uh, a kid would like it. There's a no, it's very fast paced, a lot of action. I don't think they would it really gets dull. No, definitely not. Character designs are good. I don't think they would. Uh, very flashy, you know. You like what you see. You got spaceships, lasers, people running, action. I think they're going to like it. I don't think they're going to pay that much attention to the animation not being quite up to date of, uh, of some of the animation of today's standards. Yeah, I, I revisited this a while ago, and I watched it with my son, and he watched the whole the whole series with me. He enjoyed it. All right, Dave. I want to thank you for joining us for last-minute substituting for uh, Flash Gordon, A Planet in Peril. The pleasure's all yours. You know, sometimes you get to call in the B team, and I was the B team <laughs> this time. And, uh... You know, Dave will be back for our year end, our New Year's episode when I get the old band back together. And uh, Dave's going to be back with some other previous guests where we're going to be probably, uh, fingers crossed, a four person episode. That'll be a good time. I can't wait for that. Uh, with no verdict yet on what we're going to review, but it's, uh, we're going to look for something that's never been reviewed on the show before. We did the Fantastic Four last year. and Probably do something DC this year since we did a yeah, Marvel thing last year. There you year. go. Challengers of the Unknown. Do they have a show? Dang. I thought they did a filmation short or something like that. Can you but get a whole episode out I, of that? I don't know. You well, could just let me talk for an hour. <laughs> your fans would love it. I wouldn't blame them. How <laughs> lucky would they be? Fortunately, we couldn't get your wife here, which I understand is a huge Flash Gordon she fan. She is. Like, I'm the casual fan, but my, my wife, she is a hardcore Flash fan. She even got to meet Sam Jones once. Nice. Yeah. Did he say death to Ming? Or? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for joining us. And tune in again next week for another exciting episode of Met Spectro Through the Multiverse. <laughs>